da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Well, you know you're living in exciting times. When there's nothing better to do on a Tuesday evening than to sit around with your friends and discuss three <laughs> billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I've been wow. saying Ebbing, Montana for about six months. I thought it was, too. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that during the movie. I'm like, this is Missouri, this is Missouri, this is Missouri. It looks a lot like Montana. It's just scenery and, uh, the, and the location and setting and everything. is. It, Missouri's beautiful country. I was not aware. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, uh, wow. Oh, it's just it's just lit. It's just lit in this club right now. <laughs> Talking to does anybody boys. party like we do? I mean, nobody honestly. does. There's uh, no one I, going harder on this Tuesday night than us right now, and uh, for the next hour. Well, it's going to be good times. And uh, this is a movie that um, has gotten a lot of positive, I would say, word of mouth mm-hmm. over the past couple of weeks, maybe the past month or so. And it's not in wide release yet. I'm not sure if the wide release is coming for this one or if this is all we're going to get of it. It's semi-wide, I think, mm-hmm. right at this mm-hmm. point. But I don't think yeah. it's getting the kind of buzz, word of mouth that would push it to wide or force the studio's hand to push it to wide. Um, but it's in four, 1,400 theaters. That's pretty so that's good. About, yeah, that's about half that's, of That's of half fully of what wide. Like, yeah. Thor is. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's... Okay. Um, that's probably all you're going to see at this point. So Pretty if you good. haven't seen it at this point, you need to seek it out now and go see it. If you need to drive a little bit and go see it, then it might be your only chance before the Oscars and all that come around. And uh, mm-hmm. you might might not get a chance until until then. So, yeah, it took me a while to to find a theater that had this. Yeah, this is probably the, the toughest one of the year that I've had to find out. It was <laughs> It, um, but I've seen the the posters and trailers everywhere. It was just super hard for me to find a theater for this one. Um, but thank goodness for Movie Pass. Yes, I guess that we got to start the way Movie Pass. We we need to be the official podcast of Movie Pass. I feel like <laughs> they they we hey I'm all down for endorsing good products whether they pay mm-hmm. me or not. But yeah. we we'll definitely accept the if they want to work something out. We would love to do that. <laughs> but um, man. Richard's going to come on and join us for the review. Um, he's doing something r- right now that's more important than this, which I don't blame him because uh, pretty much everything is. <laughs> um, but so Richard got his movie pass. Brian, you've got it. Um, yeah. I understand there's we're, we're, we're going to lead into movie news here. Um, we got we got some movie news to talk about for sure. Some some breaking news and things like that. But uh, there's some news regarding movie pass. Maybe. A competitor has risen. Hmm? Oh, oh boy! Did Tell you me see about this? this? No, I, I saw the headline, but I, I haven't read it. Read okay. the story, so I want I want to hear it from you. So my deal with Movie Pass forever because I I was a Movie Pass user many just, years hey, ago. J- just a preface: what yeah. Movie Pass is is a service, a uh, pay as you go service that costs I think nine ninety nine a month and. Mm-hmm. They give you a credit card, and you use that card to buy movies in movie theaters or go see movies, and uh, you can see a movie a day, and that's the limitation, pretty much. Right. Um, but except no 3D, no no upgraded anything, just standard movie, a movie a day uh, for nine ninety nine a month. So that's the service, and right. uh, so continue. I just wanted to preface that. Yeah. So my deal, part of why I held out for a long time was I mm-hmm. I felt like. The end result of this is 
that um, individual theater companies start doing their own service and they say, you know, you can come to AMC theaters for fifteen ninety nine a month and go see same thing, like go see once one movie a a, a day or blah 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 right. blah, and that that would be. Um, that's a smart business model because it gets people in the door. Um, you buy concessions. We all know that a lot of, especially for movies that are new movies, like the first two weeks in theaters, the vast majority of, uh, typically the vast majority of the, of the proceeds from ticket sales goes back to the studio. Um, so the theaters are making their money off of concessions and whatnot. It's a smart idea for theaters to jump on that and do their own sort of movie pass version. Um, or own version of movie pass, excuse me, mm-hmm. Cinemark announced one today. And so I was excited about it. I was like, okay, this is, this is how it starts. And potentially this is still how it starts, but this is a really bad, uh, <laughs> it's a really bad visible. So nine, nine for movie passes, nine ninety nine. you could conceivably go to 30 standard definition or excuse me, uh, 2d movies in, uh, in, in a month for that nine ninety nine, correct? If you really, right. if you yeah. really want to really do it, go every day, you could, you could they do. couldn't stop you. Right. Right. And that's great. It's, it's mm-hmm. a great deal. Um, for me, most of the, the movies that I end up seeing are like matinees and we live in Texas. It's still pretty cheap here. So I have to see two, two movies for it to pay for itself. Basically by the third time I see a movie in a month, I've, I've come out ahead. So, um, Cinemark's plan to compete with movie pass is that for eight ninety nine a month you get one movie ticket for eight ninety nine a month <laughs> and you but but can't but also um, you get twenty uh, percent off the concession stand and you will not have any convenience fees if you were to purchase tickets on the interwebs oh, so for nine dollars a month you get a movie ticket. Like I read this twice thinking I'm surely I'm this is like uh, I'm misreading this or whoever wrote this article is like confused on how it works. No, that's that's what it is. One movie yeah. one movie per month. Uh-huh. Yeah, for 9 bucks. But you get 20% off cuz it's a terrible. It's a <laughs> like terrible they can't month. even they, throw in a free popcorn no, at that point it's, it's if you so <laughs> bad. It's so bad. It's it's at they're, this point they're and they're posing it as uh, as a competitor to MoviePass, really what it's a competitor uh, for is what's like it called? AMC what's it called? Stubs. AMC, wait, let me guess yeah, it. Let me guess called, it. It's called, oh, I don't even know. AMC All that. Access. No, Cinemark All Access or something yeah, like that. there you go. What yeah, is it called? What, I think that's what it is. It's like no, it Cinemark isn't. Cinemark. I, t- I didn't even write it down because it was, uh, shoot, I don't know. Let's see. This is great. Great TV, uh, radio. <laughs> it's got to uh, be something. Oh, the, it's just the Cinemark Movie Club. Movie Club. Oh. Yeah. There we go. Hey, so really, really what it is is a competitor to AMC Stubbs. Because AMC, for for several years, I've been a member of Stubbs, and I don't I don't think we renewed. For a, for a long time, you could pay 10 bucks a year, not a month, 10 bucks a year, and you waived convenience fee charges, and you got like, for every dollar spent, you got a point, and if you got to- Yeah, I was on that too, yeah. Like, it was, that was a, a very smart rewards club type service. And you got like, I think I remember correctly, when you used to- uh it knew that you were a Stubbs member, and whenever mm-hmm. you would buy a ticket, it would print off like free drink, free popcorn, right. just randomly. Yes. It would give you exactly. perks, exactly. and it was yeah. really cool. I, yeah, I, don't, just, I might still be a member, and might still be paying for that. So I need to kind of look that up. <laughs> yeah, go back and look through. They suckered through, me into uh, it in like college or yeah. something. Yeah, 
yeah, it's it's not a bad. That's fine. And yeah. and if that's what this was, if you were pay, if if Cinemark was like, hey, give us twelve bucks and or whatever, and we'll uh, we'll you know you'll get these perks. That's that's fine. But it's not a competitor to Movie Pass. It's no. It's think about this though, Brian. On that front, would would they still have a market? I don't even know if they'll have a market for this. Um, if you get one ticket, why wouldn't a person just go buy the ticket normally? Like. Oh, I if know. If it's eight ninety nine and you're buying the thing, shouldn't they say two movies a month? Like then it, people would be like, "Ooh, that yes. kind of pays for itself." It, if I can go see two, and well, I would again, do that all day. Again, I don't understand the logic there. If you're coastal, it's possible. Maybe that if it's fourteen bucks to go see a, a movie, yeah. yeah, right. But even still, at, at some at some point, you'd be like, "It's a lot of hassle to get one free movie pass." I don't, I don't know. Like, but for me, and, and what's weird is Cinemark is here. Cinemark is is Dallas based, so they really should be familiar with what it's like here. But again, I go to a Cinemark theater almost every single week for, for our weekly movie. Uh-huh. And it costs me like four eighty five. Yeah. I, I live, I live like in the parking lot of a Cinemark. Right. Um, so I'm the same way. And they're, they are a Dallas company. We see a lot of screenings. They have a Cinemark actually right next to their world headquarters. And they, um, I was just talking about that the other day with a friend of mine about, how much potential that company has and how they're just like throwing it down. This is a perfect example. Their marketing is, is really bad. This whole like uh unicorn uh, ad campaign yeah. they've got. It's awful. Stop. Yeah. It's like, it's no one great. thinks that's not cool. Great. You're not selling any of additional tickets because of that. They, they're, <laughs> right. they're completely yeah. backwards in what, how they should be yeah. approaching this. I know. Um, just and, in and a general the, sense for the record, uh, if and when we ever become partners with Cinemark, this part of the podcast will be erased, and we'll say nothing but nice things about no, Cinemark. No, they, they, they're not—they're honestly not smart enough, Brian. I hate to say that we're not even good, and they're not even smart enough to get a bad show. Like that's now, how. Now we need, but now we need to promise from the from the listeners that if we do get a partnership with Cinemark somewhere down the line, no one will report this episode to them. All right, yeah, we yes, got to have please. a verbal that, agreement. Yeah. That, that. I, I agree to, to delete this. That ever, they make it worth my while. Let's just say that. But man, that is that's laughable. Here's the question I had for you, Brian: Would they still have a market if the service was Movie Pass's same service, but only at Cinemarks, and it cost thirty dollars a month? Yeah, I think or that's it's where basically you can see a movie a day at a Cinemark for thirty dollars a month. Where they have a huge, I think they would have people jumping all over that that were are too naive or too dumb to know about Movie Pass or whatever, and and would think that would be a huge deal to get it for their kid or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, it, the way, think they, right? They, why are they doing eight ninety nine a month for one when they can? Do- I don't know. It's it's insane. It's a really dumb idea. I mean, it really like like we said, if you if you live in an area where movie tickets are very are pretty expensive. Then the I, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine, but it's not. It's not at all an alternative to to Movie Pass. It's it's a really bad idea from that from, from that. It, it can't side be the fact that it's called Movie Club means it it is their answer to Movie Pass. Yeah. in a sense. But why, to me, the why way have... to combat it, if you really want to go at Movie Pass, the way to do it is to for a chain like Cinemark to say, "Hey, we don't accept Movie Pass anymore," and B, you can get a Cinemark Movie Pass for whatever 15.99 a month uh-huh. and that comes with 20% off concessions and 20% things though. like something some you're like spending and then slowly raise the price <laughs> as you drive movie movie pass out of business like there's a price point in there maybe it's like 23.99 a month or something where it's like okay I'm still getting a good value out right. of this 
and they are getting a good value out of it as well. It's what essentially what this is is okay. So you have Netflix, right? Well, what if I told you about this Netflix competitor that has a <laughs> right, movie yeah. of the month? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. so every month I come and there's a new movie. Yep, yep. That's a deal. Movie Just of the month every month. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> or I can go on Netflix and literally have unlimited. Uh, stuff. Yeah, I think I'll do that. I just right. don't see anyone choosing that. When you can go to Cinemark on Movie Pass, it's one thing mm-hmm. if they blocked Movie Pass and said, "Sorry, this is what you got to do if you yeah, want to yeah. come to Cinemark," which they could very possibly do. Yeah, that's my fear. But, um, that's <laughs> right. the fear. But then again, your, you know, Movie Pass does have a significant subscriber base. I was talking to a coworker about it that I never would have thought would have. He's like, "Oh yeah, I got one." And he like pulled it out of his wallet, and he sees says he sees one or Des two Bryant, movies a month. It's a big movie pass. Yeah, Des, Des Dallas Bryant, the monkey. <laughs> um, I had to get one for the monkey. It was a long process, but <laughs> it actually worked. Um, but I mean, they've got a significant thing. So you would think that Cinemark, if they were to block it, would they would want those people in the theater because they are going to buy concessions. They're mm-hmm. they're in there. They're spending money. They're doing whatever. Um, meeting up with friends. Who knows. Uh, so to kick them out, you're essentially mm-hmm. kick, throwing away customers, potential customers. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be interesting how this plays out. Mm-hmm. It's a really weird deal. Well, I, I was reading today, MoviePass, I just don't know how MoviePass is going to survive. Like, I don't know how this business model works long term. It's got to be ads. Because the deal is they're paying theaters uh, full price. Mm-hmm. So anytime you go to a movie, let's say you go to a movie, then that that movie ticket costs $8, but you use your movie pass. They're yeah. paying that theater $8. Yeah. So it's on a MasterCard to them pretty it's, much. Boy, it's a, it's a, it's interesting. I, I feel like even if there, if it works, which I've been on movie pass for about a month again, and it's been great. I've had no problems whatsoever. Um, if it works, then I feel like there's a higher price point at which it probably works out a little better for them. And I would still feel like I am definitely getting a good deal on this, but maybe the idea is maybe more than anything else. We're just trying to get anyone to stay subscribed for as long as possible, whether they go to the movies or not. I don't know. It's, it's a strange, I I'm really interested to see how, how this plays out. It might be uh, like a, I don't even know how to compare it to like a Napster situation where it comes out of nowhere and the industry doesn't know how to react, but when they Mm -hmm. finally do, it's yes. It's different. It's not like it was. Um. So mm-hmm. if you want to sign up for this, Richard signed up and he said he got his pass in a couple of days. Yeah. It, so it, sign it took up less than ten days. Yeah, yeah. Sign up and do it. If you are thinking about it, do it. Give it to somebody for a Christmas present or something. Mm-hmm. I think you can pay an annual like a one time fee. And you know what? That's what I did. I did the one time fee. I don't have to worry about paying for a movie for the next year. Smart. Unless, you got down to like six ninety nine a month, right? Like yeah. If you, do the, if you did the, the if you did thing. the annual plan, it was cheaper per month if you broke it down. But that's a great feeling, mm-hmm. knowing I don't have to potentially pay for a movie until next October, <laughs> potentially with the amount of podcasts we're going to be putting out. Um, yeah. That's only going to serve the better. I mean, it's great. Uh, Richard said he went and saw Thor again the other day, just randomly because he had the pass. I went and saw the new Linklater movie, Last Flag Flying, um, the other day just because I knew it wasn't going to cost me anything, and it's right around the right. corner. It was great. Um, so, yeah, big recommend for them. They're Again, they're not paying us, but um, I'm all about <laughs> But if making, they want to, we're here for it. We're, yeah. we're about making the lives, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, contrary to our previous shows, we want to make the Man Fam lives better. Uh, we don't want to worsen your daily life. Um, 
So that is, an, that is a big advantage to the people that see more than one movie a month. There are some people that listen to the show that have said they'll see a movie just to hear us talk about it. So if you're somebody that listens to the show every week and you see at least one or two movies a month just to hear us talk about it, just join us. Join us in the party. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some movie news to talk about. R- this is a rumbling, actually. We haven't had a rumbling, in, rumbling like in a rumbling. while. Um, so this has actually been kind of a conversation for a couple of years, um, from what I can gather, that um, Quentin Tarantino's big Star Trek fan has always been interested in the property. Uh, I think you can probably tell by his movies that he he's interested in it just because of the kind of the how Star Trek is a dialogue based sci fi show, and mm-hmm. um, you know he he kind of built his own uh, crew of the Enterprise with every movie he's made, you know, with his ensembles that he's made. And mm-hmm. um, so he's always talked about it in interviews and said he was a fan and, and admired J.J. Abrams' reboots and things like that. But um, I think there's a rumor now that he has an idea for a Star Trek movie, could potentially want to produce or be involved in the uh, creation of one. And uh, so that's exciting. Is, mm-hmm. that all, is that all the news that's out there? Is that the rumbling? That's all I've seen. Yeah. That it's, uh, that they're, discussing it heavily that it's not like just a uh you know sometimes we get rumors this is a rumbling it's a different there's a difference to it so yes it sounds like they're really moving in the direction of making this happen i don't super know how to feel about that like it's i'm interested i don't know that it turns out well i'm maybe i'm more interested that tarantino's willing to step into uh a a franchise and it kind of into the inside the studio system because that's Super not what he No, he's probably trying to get away from Weinstein as much as he can, honestly. That's very true. That's very true. Get out. Um, Aren't we? But, I mean, Star Trek is kind of in... I mean, I know they've got the TV show Discovery um, on, and I know they have... uh, They just had Star Trek Beyond. That was the third of the the Abrams reboot series. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of in another reboot phase right now with Star Trek. Um, you can kind of do whatever you want with it. Why not do a one-off Star Trek? Even if it isn't isn't a one-off, maybe like Tarantino do a couple. I still don't believe that he's going to do it, that he's actually going to direct a Star Trek movie. I think he'd right. be involved. I think he'd be a producer and be, you know, maybe write the script or something, but I wouldn't, I couldn't see him being the the the, the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino, Star Trek. <laughs> I'd be like, everyone be like, what? Yeah. The trailer with like... Uh, I don't know, cool in the gang or whatever in the trailer. <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, but that, I mean, if it did happen, not to say I wouldn't see it and love it because it could be really cool. Um, but I heard he wanted to do, or he actually talked heavily about doing Casino Royale when they remade it yeah. uh, with Daniel Craig. He was very close to doing that, but A, he wanted to do it with Pierce Brosnan, and B, <laughs> yeah, and B, he wanted to do it in black and white, which they said no to both. Um, so it didn't happen. But that yeah. could have been really cool. That could have been the exact property he could have really done something cool with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the problem that I have more than anything else is like I feel like even if this gets greenlit, we're going to get down to I, – I just feel like we're going to get a – this falls apart in production because, you know, he wants to have the Vulcans – 
drinking milkshakes and cursing or something. I, like, right. it's just it I don't know that it will he will enjoy having people telling him no why can't you know? Captain Kirk drive through big Kuna burger <laughs> you're telling me what you know like all these weird right. trying to yeah. put it in his universe like, yeah things. <laughs> it'd be Those, very odd you, you know if you kind of go back in Star Trek movie history it'd be really interesting to see Quentin Tarantino's take on Star Trek for the voyage home which is the one that's in San Francisco uh-huh. um, that'd be that would be fun. So maybe you do something like that where it's uh, Star Trek officers, where the bulk of it is Star Trek officers on planet Earth. I don't know. There's there's things you could do with it. I'm interested. I just, I'm interested. I, I, I don't know that it's going to come to Apparently he had this like epiphany idea of like, oh my gosh, I got this idea for Star Trek. We got to do it, you know? What if it's like current day William Shatner <laughs> just old grizzled like okay. drunk pissed right. off William now Shatner talking my language okay. and, and like washed up Captain Kirk what if that's the movie <laughs> and it's just following him around and like it's like Bad Santa but with Shatner as Captain Kirk <laughs> like going to all these cons or whatever he's doing you know like that could be really fun yeah maybe there's some kind of twist on it like that that we're not thinking about where it's not gonna be a standard Star Trek <laughs> movie that you would think maybe it's in that universe but it's it's Tarantino's weird version of it mm-hmm. yeah it that's interesting I, I just i really like the remakes or the reboots excuse me and i love pine in that role and really the whole cast but they they don't make a lot of money so yeah it's i i'm curious to I see thought if, beyond was really good i, I, that, I liked that was like all, my favorite even, of the three yeah, honestly even into darkness that got a lot of crap i i yeah. still i enjoyed that movie for what it was but like beyond made 345 worldwide on 185 budget so yeah that's you know, it's not You're losing Star money. Trek fans. You're not going right. to gain very many fans. That's with, I think that's maybe part yeah. of the part of the issue. You you really need to scale back the budget on these to make even Star the the first Abrams Star Trek, which I love. That's my favorite of of the of the uh, the trilogy of the reboots. That movie only made three hundred eighty five million. So they've never made just a ton of money, um, though they probably do pretty well on you know discs and and. Uh, cons and whatnot but uh it's it's straight it's an interesting property i'm i don't know i want to see what happens there but I, I i feel like it's one that i will only believe it when it's actually done and and coming out because it just seems like something that would fall apart easily to me what what would you say your confidence meter is if you're going to put a percentage or odds on it? <sighs> i would say i would say it's probably like a three maybe a four something like that Three out of ten. Yeah, it just seems like the like I said, it just seems like the type of project that sounds really cool in uh, in theory and even in concept and brainstorming and all that sort of stuff. But once it actually gets down to what are you going to let Quentin Tarantino do and what sort of control is Quentin Tarantino willing to cede, and those two things, I feel like headbutt quite a bit. Yeah. Um... He his next movie it does have a release date. Um, his next movie is about the Manson murders, or centered around that time in L.A. when that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right now called Untitled Quentin Tarantino Project. Um, <laughs> the release date is August ninth, two thousand nineteen, and that marks fifty years to the day of the Manson murders. <laughs> of course. Um, so he you know he had to have some kind of twist there with the release date and, and he couldn't do it just the standard way. Yeah. Can he? Yeah, um, oh, totally. Can I confess something to you? Sure. I super don't care about the Manson 
stuff like yeah in the slightest i don't know if that's a generational thing or if it's just me out on a ledge by myself not caring i i cannot like i feel like there's 12 projects a year that are based around charles manson and i don't care about any of them i'm you know i'll watch this because it's tarantino and i'm always interested in what he's going to bring to the screen even if i don't always love the finished product but um i don't i don't care i'm not juiced at all about the the project itself i guess yeah, um, I'm interested in it. I'm I I don't know if this story has been fully fleshed out like it could be. I guess I guess dramatically, um, hmm. especially with this death. You don't you don't think uh, you don't think Helter Skelter might be the uh, the be all end all you know yeah. uh, thing with Charles Manson. I think that'll be sure. what you we you know pop culture wise what we come down with on him mm-hmm. but he could do something interesting uh the, the the synopsis is a tv actor and his stunt double embark on an odyssey to make a name for themselves in la in the film industry during the time of the manson murders so probably mm. not it's kind of adjacent about I guess. yeah it's not yeah. about charles manson um but i'm sure it has something um to do with it and, it, and the only cast member rumored is margot robbie as Sharon Tate. Mm. Um, so we shall see how that turns out, but it is coming out less than two years from now, August 9th, 2019. So maybe after that, Star Trek, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. It could happen. Never thought I'd see the day. Um, okay. We have anything else for uh, movie news? Maybe a small bit we can hit here before we uh, are joined yeah. by Richard to talk some billboards. Sure. You want to talk... Uh... You want to talk Brian Singer and go that route, or you want to do podcast news? I've got two pieces for let's you. Hit, let's hit a quick piece of podcast news then. I okay. Guess. So we do a podcast. I don't know if, if no. you guys are aware. Um, it's not a vlog. It's, a, it's an actual podcast. I love this medium a lot. We talk a lot about um, our shared fascination with radio and uh, the podcast industry. I feel like this industry is still, it is still in its infancy and we still haven't seen completely what it can be. It's like, we're still trying to figure out as a, like as an industry, we're trying to figure out what can and can't be done with this whole thing. Um, and I, I really love this idea. I don't, I don't know if you'll, you'll follow with me here, but Marvel has announced that they are going to be doing a, uh, like a serialized podcast following Wolverine. So it'll be kind of like a, I'm, I've seen it presented as a comic book in audio form, basically. Like you're going to tell some kind of serialized 12 part story or something um, centered around around Wolverine. And Richard Armitage, who played uh, Thor and Oakenshield in the Hobbit movies, is going to be the voice of Wolverine. So this is debuting sometime next year. And uh, I'm I'm super interested. I think that's a really cool concept and something that um, I know there's a, there's plenty of, of serialized and, and fictional podcasts out there, but um, to me, it hasn't been completely tapped yet. Like we haven't found exactly the right way to do it. And this, I don't know, that seems like a logical place for the, uh, the industry to go to me. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that... <laughs> Honestly, the the demographic that they're missing in podcasting is the teenagers. Uh, 
I don't feel like there's kids riding the bus to freshman year or listening to podcasts. I, I really think it's a is an adult kind of a thing. Talk mm. radio is not really something that the kids are super into. I don't I don't think. I mean, correct sure. me if I'm wrong, but most of the people that reach out to us are either college age or older. Mm-hmm. Um, so this could be a cool way to introduce them to the power of audio storytelling. I'm right. super nerd into it. I mean, a lot of people have told us, Same. hey, guys, you should branch your podcast off onto YouTube. You could do all this other stuff with it. But I like the uh, kind of old school Same. audio broadcasting. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's like AM radio. Or, yes, you know, it's exactly. Like, uh, it's exactly. I just love it the simplicity yeah. of it, and this is what we do, mm-hmm. and we're going to keep doing it until right. we don't do it anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I think that's really cool. It's a good way for, for them to get, uh, maybe discover podcasting and, uh, who knows, but I'm down with the, uh, serialized storytelling for sure. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Wondery, our, uh, network, Wondery does some of the best out there. I mean, speaking of Charles Manson, they did, uh, they recently did a Charles Manson serialized, um, mm-hmm. uh, show. So, so yeah, those are very popular and that's a great way for Marvel to get involved and open up the next branch of their business. Let's, let's face right. it. I mean, yeah. that's a whole nother avenue for them to go down with billions of, of potential buyers or, uh, downloads, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a smart choice. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. really interested to see you. And if, the deal is if Marvel does it and it's successful, um, that really opens up what the rest of the what the rest of the industry will do, I think. It so really, you'll get lots yeah. of bad knockoffs, but you'll also get, I think, some really inspired choices and, and some good content that uh you know, you either you wouldn't it wouldn't be out there without this, or you just wouldn't be aware of it, right? Like that's the big thing that comes out of like a creative breakthrough, whether it's a movie or this happens a lot in music where a band kind of breaks through into the mainstream, and then mm-hmm. off of that band, you discover fifty different bands that were all out there doing it, but you just didn't know about them or weren't uh weren't aware and couldn't couldn't find their music anywhere whatever it may be that's kind of similar to what you could see happen with if this if something like this turns out to be the breakthrough that it has potential to be man i i can't i can't even tell you how impactful it was when i discovered podcasts like yeah same i mean i had no idea they've been going on for years and i've been missing out on all this stuff and when i discovered it i mean here we are today you know doing (laughs) doing our own (laughs) so it's powerful and uh and I'm I'm excited for the the youth of today to maybe hopefully come around to the to our side. Hey, maybe <laughs> they'll subscribe to our show. Welcome. Welcome to the Bam Fam. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Take a swig of our coffee here. Welcome in Richard and talk three billboards. We'll be back. All right, so Richard is now joining us. Hey. Hey guys, thanks really? for uh, thanks for uh, spitballing without me. I'm sorry I was a little bit late, but uh, probably the be- best 30 minutes of radio we've done. All I year, guarantee you, it was, I, I you know we did a little recap <laughs> as to what you guys spoke about, and uh, I'm sh- it couldn't have been is a Wolverine podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, is it musical? Is it Hugh Jackman singing about Wolverine? Oh, now, now, <laughs> now, now we're talking. Yeah. See, this is the kind of content you guys miss without me. <laughs> it is is Jackman retired? Yeah, I mean that could be his last hurrahs. Well, he's retired from film as Wolverine, <laughs> but it didn't yeah. talk about other mediums. Yeah, that's true. Two sides. <laughs> Funny. Well, um, 
Speaking of Wolverine, we're talking three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is it was weird when Wolverine rolls off the tongue. It it was it was odd when when he came in and slashed the throat of Francis McDormand. But it was uh, it was kind of cool. Yeah, it was it was it was uh, it was very cool. Um, This movie is is definitely not what I expected. Uh, I don't know what I really expected out of this because it's a movie about billboards. Mm-hmm. But uh, I expected it to maybe be a little bit less Don um, Draper than I expected. I was, I was <laughs> right. pretty disappointed. Slightly less. I mean, there was a little bit of it. <laughs> it ex- I expected it to be maybe a little more serious than it was, but also a little more lighthearted than it was. I know that sounds weird, <laughs> but sure. I felt like when it was going to hit hard, it was going to hit hard. And when it was going to be funny, it was going to be super laugh out loud funny. Um, yeah, like getting bruised or something. Right, exactly. Uh, and so I didn't, I don't know what, how I feel about it being kind of watered down emotionally and the last not really coming. Uh, I mean, they come, but not, they're not punchlines. You know, they're just kind of funny moments or, or whatever. Um, if there are any, there are very few. And so it got me kind of thinking about my overall stance on this, but I really enjoyed how this was made. I think it's a well-made film. I think it's a well-envisioned film. I think it's well-directed. Uh, Francis McDormand is great in it. Um, mm-hmm. American Treasure Francis McDormand, I should say, is great in it. And she should be nominated for this and probably will. Um, but I think overall, I'm, I'm, it's going to be tough for me to grade this one out because I think it had a lot of potential with the storyline to go um, to go more heavy with it, and maybe it would have been more impactful. And I think maybe the ending of the movie soured it a little bit for me too, as well. Um, it really didn't end like I had envisioned it ending. So this is gonna be tough. This one, this one's tough for me. I enjoyed it a lot, but um, there are things I would change. Uh, what about you, Brian? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I wasn't super. Sh- Usually, when I leave a theater, I know pretty well. Um, you know, what, what my grade is going to be and what, uh, and maybe it'll change like a half a grade or something by the time I actually get to the recording. But this one, I saw this, uh, about a week ago and, um, wasn't super sure what I was going to grade it out as until, uh, until like we started, uh, <laughs> started the episode. It's, I really like, um, the tone. I, you're right. Like it straddles that line between comedy and just super, super dark drama and, and, and tragedy of that. And that's what, uh, Martin McDonough does really well. Like that's his kind of his bread and butter. Um, and so I've had a weird, this is only, this is third movie. I love in Bruges. That's I just incredibly underrated. And one of the funniest movies of that decade, um, I didn't love seven psychopaths and I really thought I, I would, I was, I was very disappointed in that, Same. in that I, it was like a B plus to me. And I, I really felt like going in like, this is, you know, this is going to kill, this is going to be the movie. Um, and it, to me that, that one really missed the line between, uh, comedy and tragedy. It just, it just could, it was too muddled and couldn't ever figure it out. Totally um, agree. But I was excited about this one and I love the cast and it's to me the parts that are funny were were really laugh out loud funny. I felt like I was in a Coen Brothers movie, and that I'm gonna I'm sure I'll 
talk about that more as we go. Cause to me, uh, he's like the prime example of, uh, like kind of Cohen offshoots. Like, I think he gets the, tone. the casting with, his, with Francis. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. I think he understands what makes the, the Cohen, I don't know the, the dynamic work so well, uh, better than, than anyone else who's fall, you know, come into the, in the, uh, Cohen brothers footsteps. But, um, I, I mean, I, I straight laughed out loud at a lot of the stuff that was taking place and I was the only one in the theater that was laughing and it really made me uncomfortable. But, um, I, I quite enjoyed those parts. The germ, the drama moments, some of them hit really hard and some of them I felt like kind of missed the mark by just a bit. Um, but overall, I don't know. I think I'm going to be pretty high on it if for no other reason than I think, gosh, the performances are good. And I, you know, we haven't seen the post yet, obviously, but I don't, up to this point in the year, I haven't seen, uh, a lead, a lead actor's performance that's better than, uh, than Francis McDormand. And so, and not even, not even Saoirse. Uh, no, I think, I think this was better for me anyway. And, and, you know, yeah. like I'll think about it's it, different. but off the top of my head, I think this is the best, uh, lead actress performance I've seen this year. And again, it, maybe it helps that you're surrounding her with, with Woody and, uh, and Sam Rockwell, who both were ATs. just out of this world. They're both ATs and they're both yeah. incredible and two of my favorites. She so anyway, will be an I'm AT super at high on it. Point, yes, sure. definitely. Definitely. Big oversight by the AT committee. We'll, yeah. we'll speak to them about I she, that. I think but, she might be in, but she, uh, there was an issue getting oh, her headshot she? taken. She couldn't come uh, to get her headshot oh, okay. taken. Next okay, time gotcha. she swings through town, she's coming by <laughs> and get the headshot. So we'll get that. Yeah, out. We'll get her the vest. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think I was going to say, I think she was in too. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I, I wrote about that a little bit in the newsletter. Uh, this is a weird year of like up Richard Alley stuff. It's like The Post. I love Ben Bradley. I love Martin McDonough. He's like my favorite writer um, going right now. Love in Bruges. Love Beauty Queen and Leanne. Leanne. Um, just like, just to, I, I didn't love Seven Psychopaths either, uh, Brian, by the way. It was like, um, mm. to me, it was like, uh, who's the guy that did Smoking Aces? <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, Carnahan. Yeah, yeah, Joe, Joe Carnahan. Yeah, yeah. It's like Carnahan does Martin McDonald uh-huh. for me. Yeah, you know it's what I mean. Great. Yeah, guy, um, guy Ritchie or something. It's kind of yeah, weird. it was like the Guy Ritchie version yeah. of that. Um, but I loved and I, but I, I mean, I think he's such a great, great writer. I love that, and I talked to, again. I don't mean to reiterate the newsletter, but not everyone. In, but you should subscribe. Motaboutmoviespodcast dot com slash newsletter. Subscribe to that. But to me, I love him because he's such a brilliant dialogue writer. But it's never at the expense of character. It's not. I mean, Sorkin's mm-hmm. brilliant. And I love Sorkin, but sometimes it's like, eh, it doesn't really make sense that this person would give this speech. But they're going to give it because I really mm-hmm. wrote this great speech and screw it, you know. We're all, but he never does that. But like his 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 dialogue, McDonald's dialogue really pops. You know, I just think it's he's so good, but it's never at the expense of the characters. And I think to me more than anyone, he does that both in film and and on stage and. And uh, I'm going to push back a little bit on you guys. Man, I love this movie. I loved, mm. I really did. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, I thought Frances is, I think, she, I mean, again, we haven't seen the post and apparently Meryl Streep's great. And, I, and Catherine Graham certainly gives a great character to play. And so, and I, and Meryl Streep is one of these people that's probably nominated too much, but when she's great, she's better than everybody. So like it, sure. it, it, it evens out, <laughs> you know, like she's so great mm-hmm. when she's great. It probably is worth four nominations, even if those other three roles she didn't deserve it for. Um, 
So well, if this is one of those, man, that's, I mean, to think that we're going to get Francis and Meryl, you know, head, head versus head on this is, is just mm-hmm. fabulous. I mean, it's going to, it's, it's really shaping up to be a really excellent Oscar season. I'm excited, but, uh, but yeah, I thought this was, this was a really masterful film. I, I, I was enthralled the whole time. I laughed. I thought the, dra- the drama worked for me. All the supporting performances worked. The ending even worked. The kind of ambiguity of it, the sort of uh, letdown of it worked because it's kind of a de- supposedly, de- I don't mean to be spoilery, but kind of a, sub- it's kind of a beatdown of a, of a world. So it's okay mm-hmm. to have a beatdown ending. Sure. Um, yeah, this just really, really worked for me. I, I really want to see it again to, to see if it sticks, but. But McDonald's so great. I I think hopefully you know it's like Seven Psychopaths as a film didn't really. I mean it's, it's fine. It's like a good. This is on HBO on six o'clock on a Saturday night. Let's stop down and watch an hour of this. It really works in that sense, but it's just not a great mm-hmm. great film. Um, but I think In Bruges really is and is underappreciated. And I know Colin Farrell was nominated for it, but it was not like a real serious. Was he nominated for an Oscar or just Golden Globe? I don't remember. Uh but it was, it was like it was kind of like peripheral awardy, you know. Mm-hmm, it was like, but mm-hmm. it didn't really get the full push of an. And I such because it's funny and it's violent, and I get why. But like to me, that's such a great film, and we'll do a throwback on it next year. I really think we should because uh, that's it's ten years next year, and mm-hmm. it's I think uh, a really a movie that will end up twenty years from now being one of the ten best movies of that decade, even though it wasn't one of the five best movies of his year at the time, if mm-hmm, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just this, but this to like really see with Francis and get like the full end of year, this is a serious movie to be taken seriously treatment for a McDonald movie just really worked for me. I was so excited. I loved it. So I want to watch it again to make sure I wasn't just caught up in that. But I really love this. I mean, we saw we can't I did an episode on Ladybird last week it's like all these are popping and we still and we won't see phantom thread for like six more months probably but like uh this is really rounding the form is a great year and i'm, I'm i've loved both of these movies i think e- everyone loves ladybird mm-hmm. this is like a little more tepid but i like this just as much i mean i love this movie cool yeah that's good to hear um i don't know if it was that i was expecting more but uh, I'm gonna have to flesh out my thoughts, but I thought Seven Psychopaths was a movie that was misunderstood because of the ad campaign and everything. It wasn't about what it was actually about something completely different than what they were advertising it to be about. So that threw a lot of people off, and it just kind of came and went. And um, mm-hmm. I really think that that film deserves more deserves oh, more conversation movie, at sure. the time. It was one of the better movies of that year. I think it was 2012. That yeah, it came out. It's, yeah. def- it's definitely the second best Chris Walken film behind Joe Dirt Two: Beautiful Loser <laughs> of the past five years. Oh um, uh, yes, of the past five years. <laughs> but uh, I like the setting of this. I like the small town atmosphere. I, I love the dynamic of the local police and how much control they have on the society. Mm-hmm. I love the commentary there with the police and. Uh, it's not necessarily satirical commentary because this movie is about uh, police brutality and sure. uh, about, you know, rape uh, cases going unsolved or swept under the rug or whatever. Um, and so it doesn't really have to go completely uh, satirical with everything because it can just straight up comment on it. And 
what better way to comment on it than to put up three billboards about um, the fact that your daughter was raped and killed and nobody did anything about it. Um, I like how the movie starts with her driving by and discovering the old billboards and then Mm -hmm. going to uh, sell them. And uh, then Sam Rockwell does the same route and notices them. That's a great sequence when he comes out and he's questioning the guys that are putting up the billboard. Uh, That's really strong. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of very memorable scenes in this movie. Uh, It really feels like there are maybe three or four great standout sequences in this movie that are among the best of the year. But um, about the ambiguity of the ending, uh, I'm excited to talk about that, though, because that's where it's hard for me to, uh, to grade this out is because I don't know what I wanted how I wanted this to end, and I still don't. I still don't think I know uh, mm-hmm. how I wanted it to end. But um, it is a serious subject matter. Um, but in a way, I prefer them not to get too grisly about it because it's so hard to think about. It's so hard to talk about. It's so hard to picture in your mind, like what happened did, and it's so tough to think about that you do want that moment of redemption. Uh, for the characters, right? You want Frances McDormand to avenge her child's mm-hmm. death, right? Right. That's the payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess we should hit spoilers now. Uh, we're yeah. we've done general thoughts. It's kind of hard to dance. Go see around this movie this one, if you can. Like. It's yeah. hard to talk about this one without spoiling it. Mm-hmm. But um, so spoilers, spoilers right now. So you want that moment where Sam Rockwell is this hated cop, right? And he can't do anything right. But this entire movie is about him redeeming himself on top of everything else that's going on, right? Him changing his path, him going against what his mother, the way his mother has brought him (laughs) up to be and the way she controls his life and him going against what the viewer, the stereotypical viewer would think a dirty cop would do in a movie. I loved the transformation of his character after after Willow Bee's out of the picture, I love how his character grows and that whole baptism, really, of of himself and the redemption. But at the same time, I wanted Francis McDormand to have the uh, the pleasure of of moving past this issue and getting over it all. And I don't know how a an ending where they're just kind of driving to to go check it out. I don't know how that accomplishes anything. Like I, I needed that moment of if it's not like, if they don't solve the murder case or whatever, maybe there's maybe it ends a different way. Maybe it, you know, yeah. it just didn't. It felt like there was another chapter to this, or there's a missing scene at the end, or we're gonna get a sequel or something. I, I just felt it felt like this story wasn't done being told. Um, I don't know where I fall on that. Maybe mm. it's because like she was forgotten. So the story's forgotten. So if we if we can't know, the mom doesn't know. You know they're trying to do that a mm-hmm. big message out of it. But it's kind of like Murder on the Orient Express. If you never find out who did it at the end, it's like, <laughs> well, and the train yeah, just would... kept on going. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that's how I, I think... kind of felt at the end. And it had that had this redemption, this big not big moment, but at least if I had the satisfaction of knowing that. Prince McDormand was going to be able to sleep that night, like leaving the theater. Maybe I would have been, I would have been a lot higher on this movie actually, but I just mm. felt 
like you said, Brian, leaving the theater, I just felt uneasy. I'm like, I still don't know. This is a yeah. rape case. This is this is hard. Like I, we, this mm-hmm. needs this needs a solution. See, I and fall? I, I kind of take the to your point. I would go the opposite route on that. I feel like, um, you know, Murder on the Orient Express. That movie is about the solving the mystery. That's the whole point of the movie. Mm-hmm. I this movie that's that's not it. That's not the 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 that's not what we're trying to get at here. That's kind of like the medium, I guess, uh, to tell the story, but that's not really the story that's, that's being told. I love that Sam Rockwell's character got redemption, but as we were coming up to the, uh, you know, as he's trying to, to, he thinks he solved the case and we're getting the evidence back and he's going and talking to, um, Mildred and and giving her the good news at first and then that turns into bad as that part is unfolding I started to feel like this isn't this not necessarily like I'm glad that she's that this character is going to get the um the news that she she wants to hear she's going to have that closure but that's honestly that's that would have been a think I think that would have been a departure from what the movie is is about and would have um maybe even in a little bit of a waste kind of cheapened what we had been through up to that point. And then once you find out that it's not, you know, this is not the murderer and that we haven't solved this case, uh-huh. you know, I felt awful about it because gosh, she's just McDermott is, McDermott is just bringing it. And she, uh, it's just like, like that quiet strength, um, man, she's so good. And so you, like, I felt for the character, but just in terms of the narrative and the, what the movie had done up to that point, I felt like that fit what was, uh, what was taking place. Like that, that wasn't the solving of the murder was never what the movie was, was going to be about. And it would have been, I don't know that it would have been a, maybe a, we, we would have felt better coming out maybe, but it wouldn't yeah. have been kind of an, an ill fitting. any. I, I think a lot about, um, the shield, uh, TV show that's been, I'm going to spoil it here. So if you've, if you care, oh, but gosh, sorry, he turns into the thing at the end. Right? I know it's so weird. Um, it's been off the air for 10 years. So you show, but like that show was, had one of the best endings of a show I've ever seen. And it was incredibly bleak and awful and depressing in a lot of ways. And, but the deal was like, that was how, I guess I'm not going to spoil it, but that's how it needed to, to end. That was the only way that that show could have ended was in a bleak, awful, depressing sort of way. And I kind of feel like that's how this movie had to end the way that it's set up from the beginning to the end. I just, I don't know. I think having a nice tidy bow of like, man, we lucked out and we found the, the killer. I feel like that would, it, we like, not even to to say that just, but more to say like, can she have some kind of moment of oh I, I, I think got yeah. I, I I've at least got it out of my system. If I didn't but find sure. out who it was, I can at least kill the guy who we thought did it or something. Mm. You know, but to uh, me that's like that's a uniquely that sort of note is something. This is where McDonald's background as a playwright I think is interesting. Where that's a uniquely cinematic thing where that happens, and in in drama, uh, it often doesn't, mm-hmm. and television is kind of more like that too, where you can have these sort of endings that are um, not necessarily ambiguous, but are a little more bleak or a little more open-ended or a little more sad, just straight out sad. Um, Whereas the, the, you know, as film is more, it's always been more of a theme park type entertainment. And so 
you're kind of programmed to like have that note, at least like you said, Ken, it doesn't have to be tidally bowed up, but you're like, can I have a note of this? And I think Madonna's interesting in being like, no, you don't get to have that. Mm-hmm. Like, right. um, and uh, to me, you know, while it's unsatisfactory at some point as a watcher, as someone who's rooting for these protagonists, as someone that appreciates like everything not being by the book and like kind of tired of these, especially like since we've been doing this show for coming up on five years, like watching more movies than ever, it's like kind of seeing the formula in so many things for someone to kind of kick that formula and being like, deal with it. It's mm-hmm. just, you're going to have to, you're going to have a depressing ride home. I don't know. For me, I kind of appreciated that, but that's just me because I, I understand that note, especially like you're working within your, this isn't a play you're working within the realm of cinema. So maybe you should um, open yourself up to that note. I'm not saying it's even the right choice, it, it, but for it's me such it a worked. Tease. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I, agree. I understand the boldness of the ending, like the art, the statement of it. Um, but I mean, they literally say at the end, should we kill him when we get there? I don't know. We'll decide when we get there. And you never know whether they did or didn't. I just, I guess you can decide for yourself, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not like they weren't driving there. That's the thing. It's like they're, they're on their way to do it. And then the movie ends. Uh, it's bold. It got me talking, got me thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. man, I just, I just, with the, with the way it, uh, Frances McDormand's character was building up in the movie. Like when she has that scene where she just goes ham on the police station with the Molotov cocktails and just like, F this, I'm, <laughs> you know, and it's just going completely insane. I just picture that building up to like her, I don't know, like slicing this guy with a beer bottle or something like morbid and like having this honestly like clapping theater moment of like, mm. Django Unchained style. At right. The end, that's when know? it goes like, Tarantino. That, right. That's when yeah. it, that's, I, I still think people would have been positive on this. Um, but it is, there's two different ways to go about it. And I, I think you're right, Richard, in, in saying that his sensibilities don't lean that way, which is probably the better explanation for, mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. But I mean, it's definitely, this reminded me a lot of, of Wind River, which we saw earlier yeah. this year. Similar it's subject a Western. matter. I mean, this is, this is a yeah. Western, really. Oh, totally. Which is great. I love that. And uh, it it's strong. I mean, Sam Rockwell was really good. I don't know if he's Gosh. supporting actor good, but he was really, really, really strong in this. And, and definitely a character you wouldn't necessarily expect. Uh, Woody as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... Maybe an issue is is... Where do we fall in the protagonist antagonist argument of this, right? Because it turns out that Willoughby wasn't a bad guy at all, but he's portrayed mm-hmm. to be the villain, right? Like, who is the real villain here? If uh, I guess it's more of an antagonist redeeming himself and mm-hmm. becoming a protagonist later in the movie. Well, but, and uh, I, I mean, a central theme there is just how people deal yeah. with grief. Like that's yeah. the ma- maybe that's the main focus of the whole film. And gosh, I and the mis- I misinterpretation know. of the police, Brian. Yes, because oh my gosh, how yeah. many people have had this things like that happen to loved ones, or and like why why won't you go find the killer? Uh, and I think there's yeah. a joke in like Big Lebowski where he's like, "Yeah, man, we got five guys on the case right down at the station right now." Like, there, there's, there's so much stuff to do that everyone feels slighted by the police, and it isn't until Woody Harrelson says to her, "Hey, 
Uh, trust me, I would if I could, but it's not that mm-hmm. easy. You know, like people don't know, they don't understand how the police process works. And I think that's an enlightenment there is you mm-hmm. think he's the bad thing just because the case hadn't been solved. That doesn't mean he hasn't done all he could, could do just because it's still mm-hmm. unsolved. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's right. another one. I, man, I thought yeah. that was maybe to me, the best part of the movie was, uh, the interactions between, uh, Mildred and, and Willoughby because you have, yeah. Someone who may have been a, a very reasonable, well-adjusted human prior to her daughter's death. I, I, we don't know, but we're kind of led to believe that she's pretty normal up until that point, and it's, it's a break. And the grace with which uh, Willoughby handles that I thought was extremely touching. And you see it kind of paid back um, in reverse from her to him in the interrogation scene when he – you know, coughs blood on her face and she immediately goes from this hard woman who's out for revenge to, I think she calls him, I think she says, it's okay, baby. She like, she immediately goes to like a mothering sort of role. And I, man, I thought, I thought those interactions were as much as I love Sam Rockwell, one of my favorite actors, love to watch him work. Like the, the, uh, the McDormand, McDormand, um, uh, Woody stuff was, out of this world. I thought it was so good. I thought that was in some ways, like the movie kind of loses a step when, when Woody's character exits, you know, it's kind of like moonlight last year with Marshall Ali. I just thought he was so good. And in this case, it's like the interactions are so good that it, it almost goes for me. It went down a notch just because he's no longer on screen. Yeah. So who's had a better, year or coming out party Caleb Landry Jones or Lucas Hedges Caleb Landry Jones with this and get out Lucas Hedges with this and Lady Bird not bad it's been strong for both of them um Lucas Hedges I kind of feared after Manchester by the Sea that he that might be a one and done kind of performance and I I think we're seeing he's he's pretty good man he's he's here to stay yeah they gave him the choice of either Kyle or his uh, character that he played in in Lady Bird. Like, they wanted mm. him to be in it. They're like, just pick which one you want. It's fine. But I think Caleb Landry Jones is here to stay. This guy's yeah. unique. He's good. He's character actory, kind of scary, uh, Paul Dano y vibe about him. Mm-hmm. And I really dig him in this movie. Uh, He's the it, second best Landry Jones, I think. Uh, <laughs> easily. <laughs> How could he not be the first best? <laughs> Landry Jones is really great, or was. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff here um, about you know the fact that he has cancer, Woody Harrelson's cancer, and the fact that he has he's struggling with that, and uh, his whole story of how he chooses his own way out. I should say, I guess there, mm-hmm. or he kills himself, to put it bluntly. Uh, that's always hard to deal with, but in yeah. a way you felt like not that he was doing the right thing, but it was more of a sympathetic suicide than a, than um, maybe I've, I've ever seen in a movie. Like he really felt like he was in pain yeah, and, uh-huh. and, the, and also the letters that he wrote and everything. Um, there was confusion for me on the, uh, as far as the notes go, um, about whether he was joking with his wife, you know, like there was trying to be funny in the, in the, in the note, but I couldn't tell if it was funny or not. I don't know how to say that, but, um, 
I, I think it was maybe some jokes that came at a bad time. Maybe <laughs> sure. Me. Like when I'm reading a suicide note, I didn't, there it was, a, it was a very lighthearted suicide note. Let's just say that. Um, well, well, actually, the mom I want to discuss, Sam Rockwell's mom, and the line where she says, Oof, God. oh, you can't get to her? You shouldn't F over all her friends, you know? <laughs> and you're just like, this son of a bitch, <laughs> you know? You just, like, hate this woman immediately, like, intensely hate her. And, uh, like, you're right when you think Sam Rockwell's going to go on the, uh, go on the right path, that happens. But, um... Who was the best performance? Is it Francis? But other than her, I mean, all of the supporting actors are so good. Even Peter Dinklage, we haven't mentioned. John Hawks yeah. in this movie. John Hawks is great. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan of him. What'd you think, Richard? Who who came out on top? Oh, man. Uh, narrowly, probably Rockwell, I would guess. I don't mm. know. It's tough. It's tough. Cam Andrew Jones is excellent in this. Um, Dallas is owned, by the way. Um Gosh, I don't know. This is such a great ensemble with one great captain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's hard to hard to really say. He's a great. Uh, I think McDonough is an excellent director of of actors. He's not just a writer. Yes. I mean, he really, you know, some people are, and that's no shot. Like some people are, uh, are just uh, are just great for uh, you know writing a great screenplay and letting someone else. But he he really does direct fabulous performances, and I think his movies with the. Um, Obviously, with the aid of a cinematographer like anyone, are really well shot too. I think he really, mm-hmm. like you said, with the Cohen look, he really is an auteur in that way. One thing I'll say, he had this. He has the same uh, musician. Do I think his name's Carter Carter Burwell? I think is his name. He's the uh, he did the score for this. It's an excellent score, and in, in mm-hmm. all of his movies are really well scored. I think so. I think from what I can tell, um, Phantom Thread's going to win probably best score, but this I, th- I think will certainly get nominated. It's a big. It's a strong year for scores. Side note, it so, is strong year. It, for the scores. Mad About Movies score is is coming as well. Mm. Yeah, and I think should and will be nominated. A lot of LMFAO in that. It's That's, all LMFAO. Mm-hmm. It's all it's, LMFAO. The acoustic set. The acoustic numbers are really going to catch <laughs> people by surprise. I didn't know Red Foo played Party twelve rocking. twelve string like that. You know, he's an av- <laughs> excellent, that Rickenbacker kind of bird style 12 string that Red Foo plays is, Man, I think, incredible. It's going to totally change how you view them. Another twist on this and part of the commentary, the social commentary, is after Willoughby is out of the picture or ends it, uh, they bring in a black police chief and how that dynamic changes the entire police department and it changes Sam Rockwell's uh, life, really. It feels mm-hmm. like he has a new perspective on things after that happens, and he can't. His old ways just aren't good anymore. Um, that's an interesting, just subtle thing that they did with this movie. That's not really directly commented on, or not. It's not a big deal, but it's just another uh, another point to make, or another point of discussion, I should say, in terms of uh, how how big this is. Is this a true story or anything like that? Any based on a true story? Uh, Completely fictional. Not that I know of. Yeah, not that I know of. Is Ebbing, Missouri real? Because I want to go there. Well, I'll <laughs> look assu- it up. I'm assuming it is. It'll be. Yes, it um, is. Wow. It mm, looks looks awesome. Looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I just, can't sense if you're. Uh, it's uh, 
it's just there. It's it's there. That's all I got. I don't know what to, I can't even find any businesses. So, you know, it's it's small. How about that? I've yeah. probably been there through previous <laughs> careers. Let's see what it's near. I haven't looked this up. I've spent a lot of times in uh in rural Missouri. Let's see. Do we have any listeners maybe from this area? Uh no, is it real? It's not coming up on my thing. Uh, Ebbing. I don't think it's real. Okay. Maybe they had to do fictional just because of how like you don't want like, oh man, all the rapists live in Ebbing. You don't want to <laughs> put that label on I, I think that about a lot of areas. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Especially rape Texas. Like that's just too blatant. <laughs> don't, don't literally name your, your town rape. Um Abby Cornish. Better in this or in Geostorm? She might be the low point of this <laughs> film. No, I, she is. She's she's not very good. I don't feel like. I, maybe don't. Maybe we shouldn't put her in movies anymore. Rank your Abbies: Abby Elliott <laughs> v. Abby Cornish. Right? Oh, it's definitely Abby Cornish number one. Okay, <laughs> wow, okay. very easy. Yeah. <laughs> is there another Abby that we know? I, and there are there famous Abbies. Is there a third one? What about? Dear Abby, is that a thing? <laughs> okay, there's number one, then Abby okay. Cornish, followed by a long what about, way down the list. What about Abby the author Elliot. of Steal This Book and Chicago 7 uh, social activist, Abby Hoffman? I think he's number one. <laughs> okay, there we go. He was a weatherman or something, I think. Most impactful moment for me is when the building is burning down and Rockwell comes out and he's like holding the file oh, of, yeah. the, of the... Um, of, Francis's daughter. Uh very cool moment. Very easy, mm-hmm. subtle moment uh thrown in there by the director. Um, so strongly directed, strongly acted, strongly written, passes those three tests. Um, the ending I'm not sure about. So I don't I don't know how I'm gonna I'm gonna grade this one out. I really don't know. Do y'all have any other thoughts on this at all? Any scenes that stood out that I haven't mentioned, anything like that? Um, maybe another scene is where Rockwell is kind of overhearing the potential killers in the bar. That's mm. a uh, memorable scene as well. But I would say the three <laughs> big scenes is the uh, burning down the house or burning down the uh, the burning down the, pol- the police station um, when Francis McDormand is in. <laughs> The dentist office and drills through the dentist finger oh, with man. a drill. Like there was, Gosh. there were moments like oh, that in the movie awesome. that that make me think like, man, the murder when she finds this rapist, like she yeah. is gonna <laughs> go. You know what I mean? It's gonna be yeah. like the best redemption in cinema history, and it just doesn't happen. Um, so that's gonna take away from my grade. But you guys have any other thoughts? Anything I haven't mentioned here? I don't. I'm out. RB, no, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I really enjoyed this though. I, re- I, uh, I, this is going to be high on my, uh, mm-hmm. my I feel like it's rare that Richard is the highest grader of the, three I know. Of us, as maybe, I think this is going to be, this is a, this is a Richard movie though. Like I knew, like I was sitting in here like, Oh, he Richard. loves bleakness. Yeah. <laughs> you, you love bleakness. You love just <laughs> people. You let, you love dialogue driven films. I figured that out. You're going to like the post is going to be, it's the most Richard Barton movie maybe ever. I cannot wait uh, for that. It's up there with with a lot. That in the uh <laughs> I don't even gonna say it. 
like that and the that and the red food biopic is gonna be <laughs> very very high. No, wait. That's well, two he's red food jokes. He's, a, one, one he's a misunderstood genius. So <laughs> Alright. Um so for me I got twenty dollars in my pocket. This is one oh, wait, of the that's that's Macklemore, never mind. My bad. That's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. I'm pretty sure it's the same, yeah. Oh man. This is one of the strongest of the year in terms of these kinds of movies, the non-blockbustery kind. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like I don't know if it even falls in my top ten list. Like I'm gonna. It's a good year. It's, it's a gonna good, be tough. It's a solid year. There's yeah. been, so like even the past couple mm-hmm. of weeks, I've just like I, there's three, four movies I've seen in the past month that are in there now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm gonna grade this one out at an A minus. Uh, and and I think. I think that's where I'm going to have to fall on it. Mm. I, I'd like to go A, but I think there was a little bit more potential. There's more le- meat on the bone that wasn't fully fleshed out here. Uh, mm. But still, still super strong. I think Frances might win. She's the best yeah. I've seen this year. I think Searsha is, is very close. Um, it's yet to be seen the rest of the year, of course, and Meryl and everybody. But um, best I've seen this year in terms of actress. Best I've seen this year in terms of supporting actor. And um, one of the most well-made films of the year. I don't think it's worthy of any direction nominations or anything like that. But maybe a maybe a writing award or mm-hmm. two. Um, we'll see. All right, where do you guys fall on it, grade wise? For me, I was I, I'm going to go a minus as well, Kent. It's uh, I I dig it a lot. It's really good. The, the performances are so good, and I'm. I'm just I think I'm going to always be excited about whatever movie McDonald wants to make even I think he could do two or three disappointing ones in a row and I'd still be excited just because I think he he has a very distinct voice and he has got a great eye for what uh what works on on screen. There's to me there's like a couple of little hiccups here and there that's an and it's I'll say that like it's it's not this isn't a movie that I could just walk out on the street and and find anybody and be like hey you need to go see three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, they're going to look at you like you're an idiot. Cause that's a weird title, but also it's definitely not a, like for all audiences sort yeah. of movie. And that, um, that's not, that's not a bad thing by any means. It's just, it is hard to, um, I think that makes it kind of harder to quantify like what, um, how you, it, for me at least like the, the, you know, the full feeling and the full grade for something. But, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's an a minus for me. And I, that'll be, that'll be in my consideration. I imagine for, for a top 10 of the year, but it's, it's going to be a packed year. Richard, how about you? Oh man, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a plus one of my favorites. Nice. Of the year. Yeah. Like one of my it. favorites of the year. I enjoyed it. I enjoy it. This is as much argument as, as three guys can have who all give a movie an A. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to quantify my minus, though, somehow, you know. Because, um, man, it's tough. It's tough to quantify. Mm-hmm. But It is weird. I, I'm I'm kind of with you, Kate. Like, it, it left me... I think it worked exactly the way it was supposed to. It fit. Everything was right about it. I think I, it I did feel, leave me kind of cold coming out. Yeah, I, I feel... And my grading that maybe I gave it the grade of of like how I in the same way we grade what are my top ten favorite movies rather than what are the top ten best movies right sure. um, I think it's an A all day my personal tastes say it's an A minus as far as what I'm looking for in a movie uh, so 
maybe that helps you. What it, you know what it it is. You know what this movie is for me personally is this is like the Dallas Buyers Club of this year, right? It's <laughs> great. I, I I think it's a solid, well made film, good acting, but I might not ever think about it again, and probably definitely won't ever see it again. Um, but it was, yeah, it'll probably be in the discussion just like that was around Oscar season, and uh, and well deserved. So three A's from us. If you're this far, go see it for yourself. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, you're still listening. Tell us what you think about that ending. We always love the emails, the comments, uh, at Mad About Movies on Twitter. Uh, let's move on, guys. Let's hit that weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. That recommendo. What you got, Brian? I'm going to recommend a TV show that is on. Uh, a service called Hulu. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I may be the first to discover it. I'm usually on the cutting edge of technology and such. Uh, there's a show called Runaways on Hulu. That I think is... it's called Hulu. <laughs> oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Um, uh, it's actually called Marvel's Runaways. It's, oh, it's uh, about the uh, the uh, Joan Jet band. Uh, coming... <laughs> exactly. Nice. exactly. Kristen Stewart's yeah, great. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, everyone keeps telling us she's a great actress. Um, I don't listen. <laughs> yeah, they keep telling yeah. us. They keep telling us. We don't know why. But they, just, it's just weird though. She's getting more attractive though. Like the less attractive she tries to be traditionally, she I find her more attractive. Like when she was whatever Twilight <laughs> person, she was supposed to be this really like emo. traditionally hot emo girl. Mm-hmm. I was like I'm not feeling it. But now that she's kind of anti it, kind of <laughs> into Kristen Stewart. Just speaking as personally. Well, that's your weekly recommend is Kristen Stewart. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> good for her. Get it done. <laughs> Waiting. I like Kristen. to think. I think I'm aging the same way. You know, I think I'm mean, more. <laughs> the more bloated and old and Irish I get, I think the hotter I get. Well, that's Sarah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's so <laughs> I started watching this show tonight. Actually, uh, Marvel's Runaways. I've only watched one episode, but I've been excited about it. And I I loved the pilot. It's uh, kind of X Men adjacent, but through um, the the main characters are all in the in the pilot. The main characters are all some teenagers who used to be best friends and have been separated through tragedy, uh, and then they discover that their parents are potentially either supervillains or involved in some sort of terrible cult or something like that and i'm imagining they're gonna have to band together to fight them and some of them are discovering mutant powers it's really well done josh schwartz is the it's based on a comic book series but uh josh schwartz is the exec producer who did uh the oc something like that so it kind of has oc vibes which i dig and then add in uh, the X Men ness to it. So, uh, like I said, I'm only one episode in, but I really, I really enjoyed the pilot, and I'm I'm excited to go back and, and finish the season out. I think it's ten episodes, thirteen episodes, something like that. Wow, nice, nice. I'll have to check it out. Does it have Phantom yeah, Planet though? It doesn't yet, but oh. I'm I'm crossing my fingers, holding out hope for it. Awesome, holding out hope. It feels like what the gifted should have been. Yeah, because that, that sounds familiar, the premise, but I was not yes. down for what I saw at hundred percent Yeah, it's it feel it's much, to me it's it's a thousand times better than the gifted already. I'm a big Hulu fan. I think Hulu is about to make a big move in terms of the content game. I just think I don't know. I'm 
mostly I just watch Seinfeld on it over and over again because I'm old now. <laughs> but I like I like the new UI on it. Did, Brian, that was your first experience with the new Hulu redesign. Did you like it? It was much better. That was yeah, always my issue prior was that the the interface was awful to me. But uh, it's it's gotten better. It's gotten better. That is good. And is Kit really Pardue is back, so that's pretty. I cool. had a massive double take on that. I was like, "Who is that guy?" And had to go look it up. And then I was, and then I cried. It was very old, you know. It's like, oh, yeah. oh man, I haven't seen him since Driver <laughs> or whatever. Remember that one with Sly yeah. Stallone? Remember yeah. it? I'm yeah. It now. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just you have one monitor Just in your it. house that's always playing it. <laughs> yeah, nice, cool. So funny. Oh, good recommend though. Good recommend. Uh, I will. How is that different from the Defenders? The Defenders is the one with everybody, <laughs> where it's uh, Daredevil right. and Jessica Jones and Iron, Iron Fist, Fist and all the them Fist. together. Yeah. Have you seen I haven't that watched one? any of that. Okay. Iron Fist is so bad. I did watch The Punisher though. I like that. Fair enough. All of it. Fine. Yeah, it was solid. Pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Full series. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> all right. Um, good one. All right. I'm gonna recommend a uh, Hulu documentary oh hulu exclusive this. uh shoot i might get, have your, to... get your hulu <laughs> yeah hold on let me go through hulu real quick <laughs> um this is a, a hulu exclusive and it's a documentary called obey giant about shepherd fairy the oh, uh, cool. street wow. artist pop artist and uh it's it's he's been featured in documentaries before most notably exit of the gift shop um he's not the subject of the documentary but he's kind of featured in it uh, this is re- all about him and his story, and it talks about so who he was is a street artist who experimented in propaganda art, and he printed off these Andre the Giant stickers with Andre the Giant's face on them, and just started putting them up around town. It got really big, and he started mailing them to people. They started putting them up, and then it just became this huge phenomenon, viral phenomenon. Before that was a thing. And he branched it off into a clothing line, but not only that, um, he he became an actual artist because of that, and um, has you know some of the most iconic art of the past twenty thirty years for sure. But yeah. most of the documentary focuses on his battle with the Associated Press and the Obama poster. Um, he did a, the Hope poster for President Obama in two thousand eight that became so iconic, the red, white, and blue uh, Hope poster. And uh, he did it all on, uh, you know, for free and just, you know, put the file up for download and just did it for the kind of community service aspect of it. And and, yeah, and and he went to went to huge battle with the with the Associated Press. But it's a very interesting documentary for the second half because they talk about the subtleties of different photos because there's a because the photo that he said he took it from was not the actual photo that he took it from. Um, because there was so like the photo that he used was taken by the photographer sitting next to the guy that he thought he took it from because he found he just did Google images, President Obama, and found a picture, you know, and, and used it. He thought he had free reign to do that since it was he was making art out of it, you know, and and uh, not using the image directly. But it's super fascinating on just the law of what you can and can't do in terms in terms of free use, but uh, also centered around one of the one of the better, better artists of the past. Uh, 20 year shepherd fairy and uh really really cool exclusive free documentary for hulu subscribers so if you remember there if you like shepherd's work check that out on hulu it's called obey giant documentary nice fun you guys will enjoy it 
Cool. Nice. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, you know what? I had something else chambered, and I popped on Hulu uh, because I just thought it'd be funny. And there is something I watched a couple weeks uh, recently <laughs> on Hulu that funny. I loved. And so, Hulu, you should sponsor our show because we're giving you three weekly recommends on Hulu. Um, and this seems super like an ad, but it's really not. But you got. But uh, have you guys seen Too Funny to Fail about the Dana Carvey show? I actually. <laughs> I was watching something else on Hulu and I fell asleep and woke up <laughs> oh, and that was playing. And I was like, uh, I should watch this sometime. So I paused it like right when I woke up when I went to bed and I meant to go back and watch the whole thing. But so I, I subliminally watched it in my sleep, which is uh, possible. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Hulu, by the way, is available at Hulu. H U L U. The most obvious. dot com slash mad. Try that. See if it works. Yeah, it doesn't. No, they really don't sponsor us. It's just. It's but if just enough like people the, type that in, maybe. Man, people are really angry. Worst at us. I don't native ad it. ever. And by the way, have you seen? Uh, have you seen Hulari's Return to Television and New Originals Chance? No, um, no. But seriously, too funny to fail. It's a documentary about the Dana Carvey show, which was the sketch show in the nineties. Uh, which I remember being super hyped about as a weird kid. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and it was on after Home Improvement. And I was super psyched. And uh, uh, and it failed miserably because it was like really obscure. It would have been a great cable show, but it was weird for network. Uh, but it was but the, the writing and, and performance cast in that were names you might have heard of. Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, uh, Robert Smigel. There was this guy named Louis C.K. who was famous for a while. Don't, but don't know who uh, that is. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, I have no idea. We've wiped him. Uh, yeah, that's probably poor choice of words. We've got rid of him uh, from the zeitgeist. Um, sorry. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's weekly recommends. This is, this is basically late late night radio right now. This is late night radio. I'll keep it uh, PG from here. I apologize, team. But. Uh, um, <laughs> but anyway, it's a really interesting documentary about a weird confluence of of really funny people who have gone on to define a generation of comedy, and they were all on the show at one time that failed miserably. So that's that's funny. So anyway, too funny to fail on Hulu. So that's that's my weekly recommend. Good good times. Dana Carvey's a very funny human being. He is. His, his stand up <laughs> his stand up special on Netflix is actually pretty funny. It came out last year. I was it really is. surprised at how much I laughed at that thing. His impressions was, are, are pretty pretty funny. And he was always like, it's, it's weird that he was like, all right, I have this great set of impressions and material for 1994. I'm just going to ride that out for 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, and then I'll write all new stuff that will be funny. And it was like, you know, Dana, why didn't you do that in 1999? Yeah, you why aren't you updating your material every year? Right. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, still in like 2007. He's like, not going to do it. Not gonna do it. You're like, uh-huh. Yeah. Um he talks a president. lot about he talks a lot about raising his kids though. I mean he yeah, really no, he did, did take time off to like from show he business. To- and I think that's super admirable. Like Michael Keaton did the same thing, and I, I think that's wonderful and beautiful, but then he would still appear on shows and do the same routine and you're like, Oh well this guy just doesn't have like Mike Myers, you know, the Wayne's World Contemporary. Whenever he's on stuff, he still does the same thing and it's kinda sad. And then Dana Carvey randomly was like, no, 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 I can still do this. I just chose not to. It was a weird special, but I agree with you, Ken. It's really good. Did you ever see, or did we ever talk about Mike Myers on the gong show? Oh, yeah. I don't know if we talked about it on the show. We didn't talk about it on the show. I I spotted that on an early ad. I remember texting Brian and being like, I think 
I, I don't know <laughs> if this is going to be a thing, but ABC has this show coming out. I'm pretty sure it's Mike Myers as a fake character hosting it. And then it came and no one cared. And it was the saddest thing ever. It, Dude, was, it was like cringe fest. Apparently he was going to be like a different character every week or something. Wasn't he? Something like that. You know, I, I didn't know. Clue. It didn't was even worth the, I, I do Wikipedia deep dives on everything. <laughs> like I'm Wikipedia and deep diving Wikipedia deep dives right now. And, uh, and I didn't even care to look that up. Mike Myers, a man, such a huge beacon of my childhood and adolescence. And now I just don't care, but I, I mean, I haven't seen his early work, but I love guru to me is like, that's really my, that's like my Monty Python. I mean, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> so I don't know about his earlier stuff, but it's just sad. He hasn't been able to return the glory of like the love guru because that was, I think we can all agree his best work peak of comedy. Yeah. His name was John Tommy Matland was his character's name. So super memorable. All right. <laughs> Do you believe David Tell hosted the gong show oh, at one point? So weird. Anyway, um, that's what he recommends. This has been Mad About Movies for this week, but we're talking Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. If you like Ooh. Curb, check out our bonus episode this week on the main feed. Of uh, our, We're talking about the new season of Curb, season nine. And uh, all that implies. So that'll be a fun time. And I'm a D2 man myself. Oh, yeah. If you're a VIP, um, <laughs> you were talking Lawrence of Arabia as well this week. So if you wanna, want that episode, check out the VIP club on our website. Brian, where can we find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle12. You can find my writing at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can I find you? Uh, you can find me at Richard Barden. You can find me on the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter, which is out now. We'll have another one out in January. Uh, and you can find uh, the show. Uh, or you, where, what, Kent, sorry, where can I find you? I got ahead of myself oh, there. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Kent Garrison, and uh, KentGarrison.com, Instagram, Snap. Please add us, at Mad About Movies on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Do all that good stuff. Leave us five stars, please. It really does help. And uh, really, really appreciate you guys joining us again this week. Until next week, in which we are talking what? The Disaster Artist, I believe. This is getting serious, guys. This next month is serious. We've been fooling around for 11 months, but not now. Not this month. Mm -mm. Not now. Uh, I'm excited for that. So until then, watch The Room to prepare yourself. (laughs) And uh, Oh, hi, Brian. <laughs> Not the Brie Larson room, the room. And, watch, uh, you know what? Watch, watch room. Yeah, watch, just, yeah, watch room. <laughs> any movie with room in the title, just just in case. Just, just we don't know. warning you. I'm gonna make about 50 jokes next week about how I was confused and I watched the room. <laughs> I mean, I watched room instead of the yeah, room. I, I know this <laughs> like was when a, the kid I'm, is wrapped up in the carpet, like James Franco. It's kind of. <laughs> I don't understand that. Was, did that kid grow up to be Seth Rogen? Yeah. I don't. I'm very what, confused. What were they? Parent? There, there will be someone that sees it and thinks yeah. that like this was a story of the making of that movie. I don't. I didn't. There was. Huh. <laughs> I didn't see the connection at all. I never got to that part. All right. Um, thanks for joining us again. Till next week. We'll see you at the cinema. Bye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged Ha, ha, ha
But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Mm -hmm. 